Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. I'm so glad to see each and every one of you today. Thank you for joining us. Wow, what a time in history we are living in. If you're like me, then over the last several weeks, through this pandemic, now through the murder of George Floyd on our streets and the protesting, it's a lot to wrestle with and process through. So I wanna share with you my heart today and what I believe God spoke to me about how the church can lead through this time. So let's start by praying all together and asking God for wisdom. Lord, we just come before you today as your people. God, we need your help. We need your wisdom. So God, would you pour yourself out on us today? Would you fill us with the power of your spirit? God, our hearts are open. Our minds are ready to receive from you. So speak to us. Let your word go deep inside of our hearts. Let it take root and produce fruit in us because we are good ground. And everybody said, amen. You know, over the last several days, I've wept and I've cried. I've had conversations and I've even struggled to know what to say and what to do. But regardless of how I've felt, we cannot settle in and allow hatred, racism, and a general lack of compassion for people to have any place in our hearts, in our minds, in our homes, and in our churches. I know this may be an uncomfortable or difficult thing for us to talk about, and some might even turn it off or whatever, but I would not be a good pastor to you if I didn't ever speak to things that make us uncomfortable. So what ask us this today? Can we lean in? Can we get a little uncomfortable? Because I believe Christianity is not just an invitation to make all of our problems disappear in just the blink of an eye. No, Christianity is the invitation to take up our cross and follow Jesus. It's an invitation to lay our lives down. We just celebrated Good Friday and Easter not that long ago. Hopefully we haven't forgotten. We remembered what the cross is and what it meant and what it required. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't easy. So one of the things I love about our church right here, Victory Orlando, is the diversity. You know, I never wanted to be part of or, or even lead a church that looks just like me. We've got to understand that as the church, as a believer in Jesus, we are his sole representatives on this earth of his love, of his goodness, of what the family of God is meant to be. I believe the church is meant to be a glimpse of what heaven will be like. You know, when we're in heaven one day, there will be all skin colors together, all languages, all backgrounds, united together for one purpose, to glorify God. And it is gonna be amazing. And I wanna applaud you today, Victory, for being that church. We are a diverse church, but at the same time, we need more diversity. And I'm not just talking about diversity in our services, which is needed. I'm talking about more diversity in our friendships, in our relationships, more diversity in the expression of our gifts and our talents, more diversity in how we share the love of God that's been poured out in our hearts. Victory is not a white church. It's not a black church. It's not a Hispanic church. 
Victory is a church that belongs to Jesus. And I'm saying a victory, we're going to continue to work hard to ensure the door is wide open. Opportunity is there on every side. So if you are a young person, the door is open for you to grow, to learn, to lead, to get experience and have opportunities. If you're young at heart, but maybe your driver's license says you're older than most, the door is open for you. If you're a black person, the door is open for you. If you're a brown person, the door is open for you. If you're a white person, the door is open for you. Let me, let me say it this way. If you are a human being, the door is open for you. We need you. If you have breath in your lungs, then God has an assignment for your life. There is something you can do to invest into the life of someone else and raise them up into the fullness of God. But the choice is, belongs to each of us. We can sit back, critique, criticize, exclude, or we can be a part of the move of God in these last days. And as long as I have a say at victory, we will be those who invest into others, who include, who love and forgive unconditionally. Not because we're so great, but because of what God has done, what he is doing in us. And we've decided we're not gonna keep it to ourselves. So today, the word of the Lord is, don't settle. Tell someone sitting near you today, don't settle. Y'all sound good, I know it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, would you take a moment, send us a message, maybe email us, info at victoryorlando.com, or you can say something right now in the chat. We would be so honored to help get a Bible in your hands. If you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can always download the free YouVersion Bible app that way. Verse 1 says this, all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. And in the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led in Israel on the military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become their ruler. So they're reminding David of the past and of what God had promised and what God had called David to do. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became the king, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. So we're getting kind of a historical reference here at the beginning of the story. David was king for 40 years. Seven and a half of those years were over a partial kingdom, just Judah, and 33 of those years over all of Israel. So in other words, those 33 years were over the whole kingdom. Then verse 6 rewinds the tape and gives us a bit of the story how David then moved from Hebron to Jerusalem. It says the king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusite said to David, you won't get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They thought David could not get in here. Now that's kind of a foolish statement to make, especially since they would have known who David was. They would have known he was a giant killer and they would have known what he was capable of. Scripture goes on, says, nevertheless, 
David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. On that day, David had said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and blind who are David's enemies. That is why they say the, blame, the blind and the lame will not enter the palace. David then took up residence in the fortress and called it the city of David. He built up the area around it from the terraces inward and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. So we end this passage right here with David in his city and he's in the business of building things up around him. And really, I believe that's what the church is meant to do, to drive out spiritual strongholds and then build up the lives of those around us. And that's great to say. Most people can get behind an idea like that. Most people, they want to see things get better. They want to help others. But could I say this? Everybody wants a Jerusalem, but most people stop at Hebron. David could have settled there at Hebron. Things were good. David had it going on. He was the king. He had a people. He had a city. Things were good. He was rolling large and he totally could have stayed there. He could have been the king there in Hebron. Totally felt fulfilled. He had a good enough life ahead of it. We got to understand that's the thing about settling. That it asks us to trade what God has called us to and what God has given us for what we have right now. Can I tell you, there is more. God has more of himself for you. It doesn't matter if you've served God for five minutes, five years, or 50 years. God has more of himself that we have yet to experience, and he wants to pour it out on us. He wants to lead us to where he has more of himself for us. David must have sensed this in his heart because he was willing to get out of that place He was willing to leave Hebron behind where everything was good, everything was easy, the battles were already won, and move forward into Jerusalem. And there comes a point in all of our lives where the Lord speaks to us and he says, Hebron is not all that there is for you. I have more for you. Another way to say that is there's divine moments where God speaks to us as his children and says, hey, there's more. It's time to step out in faith. It's time to move towards what I've called you into. Some of us right now know exactly what our Jerusalem is, and it's stirring in our hearts, it's stirring in our spirits, and and God is calling us to take another step in that direction. Some of us right now maybe don't know what that is, and if that's you, that's okay. But I want to tell you this. There is a Jerusalem that God has for you. There is a purpose and a destination that God has for your life, and that's why he created you to accomplish those things. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it this way, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you future and a hope. So regardless of whether you know what your Jerusalem is right now, or maybe you don't, there is a temptation to settle, to kick back, to feel like I'm good where I am. Let me, I, let me settle right here. Things are pretty good. I, I'm comfortable. This is going to be good enough for me. Many times people feel this way, even when it comes to serving or finding their place in the church, in the body of Christ. What do I do with my life, finding my purpose? And they think, well, if I can't be doing that thing, it'd be really great if I could be there and and be on that platform and be in that position. One day when I get there, then I'll totally be able to do that. I'll totally be able to serve because I'll feel like I found my purpose. But can I tell you, 
If we don't serve others until we finally get there, then we won't be able to serve when we get there. Why? Because you can't be a big person with a small heart. You can't be effective over everything if you can't be involved in one thing. But if you'll keep loving others, if you'll keep serving others, regardless of the position, that's how you keep yourself from settling. Keep pushing forward. When we're daring enough to love the unlovable, when we're bold enough to forgive the unforgivable, when we're courageous enough to finally serve faithfully in a place that maybe isn't our dream position, it keeps us from settling. It keeps us moving forward in faith. It keeps selfishness and greed from taking root in our hearts and in our minds. And honestly, I think this is one of the keys that is needed to begin to drive out racism out of our hearts, out of our cities, out of our churches, and out of our nation. Can we ask ourselves this question today? Have I settled in my life? Have I settled in my heart and stopped moving forward? I know it's not easy. I know it's going to take courage. But could it be that we've settled? And that's not to say one side is the right side or the wrong side. It's not to say that one side is good or bad, but more of like we've got to begin to recognize the state of things in our hearts. And it's got to start with us personally and say, have I settled? And not worry about everybody else, but what is the condition of my heart? What is the condition of my faith right now? You know, Jesus, he was an expert at shaking things up where people had become comfortable and allowed things to become settled. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, someone in the crowd yells out at Jesus, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, there is so much power in that statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Most of us would agree. We love ourselves. We take care of ourselves. Our thoughts revolve around how can we have a better life? How can we have nicer things? How can we go and be in those things? We, you know, clean ourselves and, and groom ourselves like we love ourselves. And that's good because you are valuable. But have we settled there? Have we settled there in only loving ourselves and not truly having that same love, that same compassion for our neighbors, for those near us, whether they look like us, talk like us, think like us or not? Thankfully, David didn't opt to stay comfortable in Hebron. He went after Jerusalem. And I believe God is calling us to do the same to not choose to stay comfortable in our prayers and our faith, not to stay comfortable in our passions and our care and compassion for one another, but to really begin to take a step forward into the things that God has called us into. So what is it gonna take for us to move into that place? What is it gonna take for us to move towards Jerusalem? Today, I wanna give us three keys to taking our Jerusalem. If you're taking notes, I hope you write these down today. Here's the first one. We have to go after it. Now, I'm not talking about going after people or attacking others to hurt them or kill them in any way. That's wrong. That's not of God. But this is a good place to also stop and say how grateful we are 
for those law enforcement men and women who work so hard to protect and serve our communities with the right hearts, with care for others in mind. We love you, we're praying for you, and we're grateful for you. See, to rid ourselves of racism and hate is not to point out and blame a single grouping of any people, any profession, but removing racism and hatred starts at the heart level in each of us. It's so clear. We need to get after the contents of our hearts and the contents of our minds. We need to get after some things that are attacking our families, things that are attacking our cities. We need to get after some things that are attacking our finances, things that are attacking our values. We need to get after some things that are attacking our purity, things that are attacking our unity. See, there's things we need to do in this physical world to make change, to get after it. But make no mistake, this is a spiritual battle. And we're going to have to fight there and win. We're going to have to get after it in the spiritual realm. One of the things I love about this story is how when David got to Jerusalem and he conquered it, what did he do? He renamed the city. It's in the story two times. David said, this is my city. This is the city of David, baby. And that's what this is. I'm just saying, welcome to Orlando, the city of victory. Come on, we got to put that on the sign over I-4. Like this is the city God has called us to. This is the city of victory. Some of us need to do this in our own lives, in our families. We need to change the sign that's been put over our lives. Maybe it's in your physical health. We've been given a diagnosis or a disease, or maybe if someone has said because of your genetics, it's pointing to someday, maybe you'll have some disease. Listen, it's time to rename that in your life. You are the healed of the Lord. You will live and not die to declare the glory of God on this earth. We need to rename some things with our kids. Don't settle and allow outside influences to tell you who your kids are. As a parent, it's your job and your responsibility to tell your kids who they are and how they're going to grow up. Can I just tell you, don't buy into the terrible twos. That's, that doesn't sound like the blessing and the promise of God. Don't buy into the rebellious teenager years. Listen, it's time we change the names of our families. You are a blessed family. You are highly favored of God. You and your children will serve the Lord your, their whole lives. You are a family that lives on purpose. What about in our finances? For some of us, we need to change the sign that's been hung over us that says we're going to have generational poverty and it's just how it is. Others of us need to change the sign of what we believe about who really owns our resources. Like We need this even in our nation right now. We need to change the sign over our nation. Hatred has to go. Racism has to go. Anger and violence towards any group of people, towards our officers, has to go. We are not a divided nation. This is a nation of unity. This is a nation of equality and forgiveness. This is the city of victory. And I'm just, I'm done with depression and suicide in my city. I'm done with kids in my city growing up without a dad in their lives. I'm done with violence and hate in my city because of the color of people's skin or because of the profession that someone chose. Like, listen, most people want to be in the city of victory. They want to get to that place, but they stop short in their doubts. 
Most people, they don't want to live in a place where of, of finances or in hell, uh, where their health is fading, but they stop short in their pain. They don't want to live in hatred, but they stop short in their comfort or in their anger. And it's going to take some work. It's going to take some struggle and some stretching. It's a fight that we've got to be willing to fight. But I believe as a church, we don't just exist to have some nice surfaces on the weekend. No, this is our city. It's the city of victory. And God has strategically positioned us and called us at this point in history, in this geographic location, to be the light. This is a spiritual battle, but the good news is God has called us and equipped us to win. And it's, it's, it's not about saying, look how great we are, look how big our church is, look how great our kids' ministry is. No, no, no. It's about helping point the way to Jesus for a generation. It's about being spiritual mothers and fathers to this next generation. It's not about how many buildings do we have. Like, no, it's about building homes and families in our city. So we can sit in Hebron. We can kick back and enjoy all that we got. But there are people in our city that are dying every day and stepping into an eternity in hell separated from God. Church, we've gotta be done with being okay with that. Not in my city, not in the city of victory. It's not okay. Listen, the fight is real, but we have a God who fights for us. Here's the second key to taking our Jerusalem. We've gotta deal with our past. Now, dealing with our past doesn't mean that we can go back and change what's happened. But it does mean our past doesn't have to be the driving or motivating force for our future. We've got to understand that any time we decide to not settle, to begin moving forward, our spiritual enemy, the devil, is going to throw all kinds of things from our past in our face. We see in verse 6 in our story today, David, he's marching to take the city. And look at what the people start saying to him. You won't get in here, David. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. Now, we, this was not some schoolyard insult. This was a specific and targeted insult based on the history of David's people. All the way back in the history of David's people, back generations, there was Isaac who was blind at the end of his life. And then there was Jacob who was limp in his hip because he, his hip had been messed up when he wrestled with God. And they were saying to David, you can't win here because you're past. I know in our nation here in America, we have a terrible past when it comes to racism. We can't change that. But we can be a people who say racism and hate will not be the driving force. It will not have a place today or in the future. It's the same in our individual lives. Many of us have been told over and over and over who we are, who we're not, what we're not good at, we're not good enough at this, and so many other things. So what is being constantly shouted at you about your past? Don't bother getting married. Everyone in your family ends up divorced. You always struggle with anger, losing your temper, just like your parents. You're not good enough to play that instrument. You can't compete in that sport. You're not good enough to sing that song. You're not smart enough to start that company. You're just weird. You're not pretty enough. You don't have enough money. You didn't have the right background. I know in my life, for so long, the one I struggled with was no one likes you. You're a dork. No one wants to be your friend. 
That's where I lived for so much of my life because I settled there. I stopped there. I believed it. I held on to it. I identified with it. And I missed out on so many great opportunities because I settled there. This must be all there is for me. Listen, when we get up and we refuse to settle and we get moving forward towards what God is leading us to, the devil is going to throw so many lies our way. But can I remind you today, the devil is a liar. In fact, in Jesus said in John chapter 8 that the devil is the father of lies and anytime he speaks, he only speaks lies. Listen, the lies of Satan aren't only to paralyze us in our present, they're to keep us from our future. I gotta say that again so you don't miss it today. The lies of our spiritual enemy, Satan, are not only to paralyze us in our present, but they are to keep us from our future. Let me tell you today, you are not weird. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are beautiful. You are created in the image of God. You are not unlikable or an outcast. You have a seat at the table. You are a great friend and you have many friends. Maybe there's divorce in your past, in your family, but you're the one who chooses to love at all times. And 50 years from now, you'll be teaching other young couples the keys to having a healthy, happy, and God-honoring marriage that goes the distance. Anger is not your master and it's not pulling your strings. The Prince of Peace is your friend and his peace guards your heart and mind. You are not too messed up. You are not too broken. You are in the hands of the Creator and He's holding you together. He will restore you. He will set your feet on the path. You're, you are not burdened down with shame and guilt. You've been redeemed from the curse. You're not a person who suffers your life with depression and anxiety. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you the spirit of power and the spirit of love and the spirit of a sound mind. So those voices of torment, those voices of fear, they are not going to be ringing in your ears anymore in the days of your life. Listen, at the end of the day, you are a son. You are a daughter of God. And that alone makes you more than enough. You are enough. Can I say that one more time? You are enough. You're enough for God to love. You're enough for God to do something amazing through your life. Here's key number three to taking our Jerusalem. We've got to be willing to crawl through the gutters. Look at it in verse 8. On that day, David had said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and blind who are David's enemies. The best we can tell from historical records is the water shafts they were referring to here would have been a series of long horizontal and vertical tunnels carrying water to the city, and let's just say carrying things away from the city. So David and his men had to crawl through some pretty nasty, challenging, difficult and probably smelly tunnels to take the city. That had to be incredibly slow and such a difficult process. Can you imagine that moment through with David and his mighty men, famous warriors of the day, and he says, now guys, instead of charging in and fighting and taking the city, what we're gonna do is crawl through several tunnels to get in the city. 
And the guys look back at David and they're like, so you want us to crawl through a series of dark enclosed spaces for who knows how long? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I really don't enjoy being in tight enclosed spaces. So that doesn't really sound like too much fun to me. Doesn't sound like a good battle plan. But what does this mean for us? I believe this moment is really more about being willing to dig deep down into some places in my heart with God's help to see what's really in there to allow a spirit to move in those places. And I believe most people stop short of things, not because of the fight, not because of their past. Many people settle where they are because they're unwilling to slow down and do the hard work of uprooting some things in their hearts to prepare themselves to be in Jerusalem. It's much like pulling weeds. I don't know about what happens in your yard, but in my yard, it seems like weeds are popping up in the strangest places. You know, it's in the middle of brand new mulch or in the middle of a flower bed or in the cracks where the concrete comes together. There's a weed growing, such a strange place. But, and, and with that, there's lots of ways to kill weeds and try to prevent them from growing up. But it just seems so inevitable that no matter what, there will be a weed pop up somewhere. However they get there, a weed has to be pulled out by its roots or it will grow back. And if, if you've ever been outside pulling weeds, man, it's hard work. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. I've got to be careful to get the whole thing. And the same is true in our lives. We can do a lot of things to help prevent weeds from growing in our heart that our spiritual enemy wants to come and put in our lives. But then no matter what we're doing, it seems like out of nowhere, this weed pops up and starts growing in our lives. The problem with weeds is that if they're not dealt with quickly, they will grow and spread at a fast pace. That's why we can't settle. We can't sit back and just believe it's okay. It's just one weed, it's, it's not that bad. Things are okay where I am, it's gonna be okay. Listen, we've gotta do the hard work of pulling every weed from the root in our hearts. So today, we have a choice to stay in Hebron, to stay comfortable, or to get up and begin taking steps of faith toward Jerusalem. Look back with me in verse one because there's something there we need to see about why David was moving out of Hebron towards Jerusalem. Verse one says, all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, we are your own flesh and blood. In other words, all the different people groups of the nation came together and they said to David, are you willing to fight for us? Do we matter more than your comfort? Do you see us as sons and daughters of your house too? David did what I believe that we as the church, as followers of Jesus need to do. He got out of his place of comfort. He left Hebron behind and he made a space where he could build up the lives of everyone around him, the city of David. I love in verse nine, it tells us that's what he did. It says he built up the area around him from the terraces inwards. In other words, he built up things from the very furthest reaches of where he was and then worked back towards him. He didn't leave any area out. The story then ends with this statement. And he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. And maybe too often we get in this place where 
We just want to be in a powerful environment. We, we become maybe more interested in seeing God's power move or experiencing something great than we are with putting our faith and our strength into action. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. It's a good thing to long to see God move. I want to see God be poured out in my city. I want to see more of his power working in my lives. We need that. But I think God is saying, hey, if you will give your lives to building up other people, to building up things around you as much as you want to see my power, then when you're building other people up, strengthening others, you will see the power of God increase in ways that we never have before. We will see his power and his spirit being poured out like we haven't ever before. We'll see miracles happening left and right. So the question for each of us today is this, have I settled? Have I made my comfort more of a priority than moving forward in faith? What if God is saying to us, today I need you to decide to go after your Jerusalem. Why? Because the lives of people that you're going to build up are worth it. They're worth it. I've heard it said this way, there are people waiting for you on the other side of our obedience to answer the call of God. Now, I know this is the time of the service where sometimes people leave or they think about lunch or whatever, but can we just, for the next few minutes, can we give God these moments and say, God, do some work in me today. I don't want to leave the same. Let's just begin to pray wherever we are today. Lord, I thank you that you're moving in us. God, we don't want to stay comfortable. We don't want to settle in the place that we are. So God, we give you permission right now through your Holy Spirit to come into our hearts. God, we want to pull the weeds out of some places in us today, some places that we've not been to, that we haven't wanted to deal with in so long. And today is our day to uproot some attitudes of our heart, to change some things that we've allowed in our mind, to get rid of some, some hatred, to get rid of some things that we've allowed to be part of our lives, God, because we want to be more like it. We want to move in faith toward all that you've called us. So God, I pray you would fill us with boldness. You would fill us with courage right now to do the hard work, to get up, to love those around us, that we would love our neighbor like we love ourselves. God, I thank you that you are renewing in us today a right spirit, a right heart. And we give you praise for it. We give you glory for it in Jesus' name. I want to pray for one other group of people today. And those of you that are saying, Pastor, that sounds really good. But I've never invited God to be part of my life. I wanted to be a good person. I tried to do that. I, I tried to just go through my life and be nice enough. I tried to do some spiritual things and, and all those things are good. But the truth is, if we never give our lives to Christ, then we can't be good enough. We can't do enough on our own to be right with God. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ, through the cross of Jesus and through his resurrection that we can be made right with God. And if you've never done that, this is the perfect moment. Maybe you're struggling today with anger in your heart, with hatred in your heart, with pain in your heart that you can't seem to deal with. Can I just tell you, it's only the love of God that can heal those places in your heart. And this is the time. This is your moment to say, God, I'm done carrying all this. It's too much for me. I need you. Maybe you've done that in the past, but the the pain, the hate, the anger, 
the worry, the fear has gotten out of control in your life and today you're saying, God, I need to give you my life again. If that's you, wherever you are today and you recognize, I need God, would you just lift your hand? If you're watching on Church Online, you can click right below me. You can type the name Jesus in the comments right now. We are ready to pray with you. In fact, can we pray out loud all together, wherever you are? You're saying, that's me. Well, can we just pray out loud as a declaration of our faith? Repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. Today, by faith, I give you my life. I believe Jesus died for me so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit that I would know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Church, if you just prayed that prayer, all of heaven is rejoicing. We're celebrating with you. Scripture says that in that moment, God put his life on the inside of you. He put his spirit on the inside of you and you are a son or a daughter of God. So welcome to the family. We're so glad and we wanna celebrate with you. We wanna help you and strengthen you and encourage you. So would you just reach out to somebody in the chat where you're watching right now or you can send us a direct message through social media or an email. We wanna encourage you in your faith and speak life into you and help you find your place in God's family. I'm so glad we could be here all together and I'm so looking forward over the next several days where we can gather together here at Church Online. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you.